This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, welcome to another episode of All Nats. I am your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. And today it is my pleasure to welcome SJ to the show. SJ is a Dallas Mavericks fan. Am I correct in that, SJ? You are. But she is also either a fan or like an adopter of the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers, which is interesting. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. She has her own podcast, 21 Going on 77, Um, although she's the ripe age of 22 now. (laughs) (laughs) So don't be um, fooled by the baby face. Um, she, she is a grown woman and she knows the sport of basketball. And I um, am going to really enjoy getting into this discussion with her. So Ashley, thank you for coming and being a part of the show and, and sitting down to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. So first of all, tell me about how you became a Dallas Mavericks fan are you from the Dallas area like at this point I don't like to assume that people are fans of teams because they live there so I don't think it's weird if you're not from Dallas I'm just curious okay so it's actually interesting um I grew up outside of the United States um I grew up in Jamaica so um Ah! family is Jamaican too <laughs> well, yeah well yeah I what part of Jamaica did you grow up in uh Kingston so. oh okay what part of Kingston um kind of uh I don't know if you know like the it's close to like St. Andrew like mm-hmm. the, I'm like at the tip of like Kingston and St. Andrew mm-hmm. like right on the border there so um I have some family yeah. downtown but I also have family um uptown like in um red hills and havendale oh, like yeah. that area so yeah i'm yeah. kind of nearby there like okay more uptown yeah but um yeah so i when i was like maybe like 10 
um i i don't know i was it's, it's funny i i got into basketball because of a crush this is really embarrassing so i i was That's trying okay. to pretend yeah i was trying to pretend to be into basketball so i was like on youtube trying to oh you know, wow because stuff. of a crush wow yes. <laughs> i love it yeah. i love it go ahead yeah <laughs> and like I saw Dirk, like, I, I, I don't know, I watched a video of Dirk, and I was like, who is this guy, you know, like, he didn't look like a, you know, a typical, you know, basketball player, like, okay. what I was looking at, and I kind of just gravitated towards, like, the Mavs that year, and just, like, watched their games, and stuff like that, like, when I could, and it was just really intriguing, and it happened to coincide with the championship year, <laughs> like, it was 2010-2011, so I was like, wow, this team's good, like, and everything and it was just like oh, great but you vibes. didn't know that mark cuban was gonna screw it up and get rid of all the players and y'all would never yeah, ever no, I, win again yeah. since then <laughs> yeah you know they say ignorance is bliss that's powerful <laughs> i was i was watching with no agendas no not thinking about that i was just you know watching um but yeah so ever since then i kind of just gravitated towards not like not just watching the mass but you know watching other teams um I can understand falling in love with basketball because of Dirk, although that was yeah. the later side of his career. So lady, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That... So I had to really dig in to, okay. to look at, you know, what he did in the past. But um, yeah, that's kind of where it like started from and originated from. And I would say around maybe the 2014-15 season was when I really started to like dig in and start watching like pretty much the entire league. So yeah, that's that's my they story. Don't know us Jamaicans, we deep in this basketball stuff. <laughs> See, they thought it was only about Patrick Ewing, but they don't know. We yeah. be doing this stuff. I love exactly. it. Your family's from Jamaica, I assume. Yeah, yeah. My mom, she I was surprised um like a few weeks when they did the 75, when the season was starting and they were, you know, announcing the 75. I was watching with my mom. Um, since it was on TNT, I was just watching with her and she knows so much basketball I did not know she said she used to watch back in the day but I thought when she said that she might have you know watched a game or two she was naming names she was like she was so upset Penny Hardaway didn't make it she was like the name Steph is actually her favorite player so <laughs> you, you guys have that in common really she Steph. She, I don't oh understand God, to me all Steph. Jamaicans should love Steph because of his last name and he married a Jamaican exactly. woman and I that's, don't understand. that's why she loves him yeah, I don't understand like, any Jamaican, Jamaican who favors <laughs> any other player I don't <laughs> yeah but she she just she loves Steph but yeah she knows a lot of basketball so I, I was surprised by that there's a few Jamaican players in the league. R.J. Barrett. Yeah. And, um, um, the guy from the Pistons, the one who, what's his name? The one who was about to go crazy on Braun the other day. Oh, um, Isaiah Stewart. And yes. There's one on the Hornets. Um, Nick Richards, I think. is. Oh, name. okay. See, I didn't even yeah, know that. Yeah. There's a lot of um players, and I love that. I wish sometimes... I don't know, we could get into the culture more behind players, because honestly, when I was younger, like, the only version of the Knicks team that I ever enjoyed was when Patrick Ewing was still playing. Yeah. And largely we were drawn to him because it was like Patrick Ewing and he's Jamaican. <laughs> Back then, my mom actually used to watch basketball a lot too. Um, she watched it, me, her, my brother, Barrington. Can you believe that is my brother's name? Um, <laughs> so we'd all watch together as a family together. Um, so 
yeah, I've been watching basketball for a very long time. So, all right, you discovered the Mavs. They won. You thought they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, Let's stick with the Mavs for a second. And then, so how is that coming and becoming a fan of the sport and a team that wins a championship? And then it's just been so downhill from since then. Like, how does that feel? Yeah, it's it's a weird feeling because I've I've thought especially it's it's okay. So it's like a roller coaster of like feelings, I think, since like the championship year till now. Like we've had, you know, we were still in the mix after the championship year, even though um we probably weren't, you know, contenders or anything like that. But, you know, we get to the playoffs, we lose in the first round, you know, year after year. And it gets hard because um now you're you have to kind of step back and look at the team and trying to decide what you where you want to go and what you want to do because you never want to be stuck in purgatory you know some teams in the league they're suffering right now because they're in that kind of mediocre um playing field where you're not quite good enough to make any noise but you're not bad enough to you know get a high draft pick and get like a you know high-end lottery talent or something like that so it's just um hard I think did you at the time think the right moves were being made when they kind of like disbanded that team? Um, in hindsight, definitely not. But like I I can understand the mindset at the time. Like at the I thought that 2011 team was great, like just all the pieces fit right and they definitely should have kept it together. But I understand, you know, Cuban and um Donnie wanting to chase a big fish you know get more talent on the team um you know Dwight Howard they were chasing Dwight Howard you know which is why they um, disbanded the team and but they didn't really have an indication they were going to get him did they no and that's their thinking. problem okay yes, that's their problem yeah they made him a cartoon it was it was really weird their issue is they have all these big ideas and they try to chase the big fish but they're not attractive enough like they always, they're always like the second or third option to those, you know, guys. So um, they just put all their eggs in one basket. And I feel like they're the team they never go after. Like it's either all or nothing with them. And that's my, that's my big issue with them right now. They don't want the like mid-tier stars that can, you know, help. Maybe not like move the needle to where you want, but they will help. They don't want that. <laughs> they want, they want that guy, you know, the big fish. Or they're just fine, you know, improving around the margins and hoping for, I don't even know what, you know, they're banking on some type of internal improvement, but like, they're, to me, they're not self-aware enough because look at the team, you know, the teams over the years, like they don't draft well. So it's not like other than the 2018 draft, they don't have a lot of high upside guys. And it's like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> You're waiting for who to blossom? Like these guys that you picked up off the undrafted market? Like, let's be a little more realistic, you know? And I, I just feel like they're not quite there yet. So when that, um, I want to say maybe it was two seasons ago now, when that like bombshell article dropped about them and like all of the rampant like harassment yeah. and, and stuff that was going on, was that a shock for you guys as fans to hear? Because I know like for the outside world, we're like, 
oh, shocking, this is happening in Dallas. Like, I didn't feel surprised. I mean, I didn't feel, I don't feel surprised ever when I hear these things, um, mostly because I'm an employment lawyer. So nothing shocks me about companies, but um, I definitely, it just didn't surprise me that it was happening in that organization. So I don't know though, that's how I felt, but like, were you like, damn, like, I can't believe this is, you know, the Mavericks or carrying on like this, or were you like, "Mm, yeah, okay. The thing is, yeah, I was a bit shocked because, you know, when you're a fan of a team, you might want to call it like, you know, blind faith or blind, like optimism or anything like that, but you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, most times with, you know, most things. And with that, like, it was a shocker because, especially because of how, you know, Cuban kind of carries himself as if, you know, he's, you know, above, you know, things like that. And the fact that it was, ha- you know, stuff like that is happening, you know, right under his nose, nose he's aware. And um, it's, it's just, it definitely left like a bad taste in my mouth. And, you know, just how it was handled and, you know, in his responses, hey, let's hire a woman, you know, to clean up, you know, St. Marshall to clean up all this mess. Like, I am not a fan of, you know, it happening, period, and how it was handled. Um, And recently, Cuban, the same guy that was employed, he recently bought land to help him out, quote unquote. Um, So yeah, it's just, I'm not a Cuban fan. I've I've made it known. Um, Do you think he's racist? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, he had those comments about um, Trayvon Martin saying that if he saw, you know, a black man with a hoodie on, he'd cross the street too. And I mean, he, you know, apologized. But to me, if you have those thoughts, it's something that's ingrained. Like it's it's your, you know, inward bias. And I, I am not a Cuban fan. <laughs> I am not. He, not just for those reasons, um, but even basketball wise, he. He's an owner. Like I wish too involved had, in the org. Yeah, he's too involved. Like he acts as if he's the GM and he and you know, by all accounts, everything runs through him. Like obviously he signs the checks, but so you didn't believe decision, him when he said he had no idea all this stuff was going on. Um, yes. Absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. So he I don't that's why I'm hes- like I am a bit worried about the Maz's future just because I just don't trust him. He is just too much of a wild card at this point so um okay I had something I was going to ask you and it just slipped my mind based on something you said but all right so I mean a lot of changes have occurred with the Mavs um Carlisle's gone which um, I don't know if you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, I know what I was going to say. There's this perception about the Mavs, I think, from the outside. Um, And it's that, like, they only really want, like, white European players. Um, And uh, I wonder if you think that there's any merit to that. And um, do you think that that is that that is also part of a reason why you guys have difficulty recruiting free agents. So not just that maybe Dallas isn't like a prime location because we, we understand that people may want LA, New York, other markets more, but you know, the way that like, cause I feel like sometimes Celtics fans are a little delusional about like the perception of 
you know, how people view their team from the outside, right? Like, whether it's fair or not, the Celtics are viewed as a racist organization. And it, it has a lot to do with the city of Boston being perceived that way. But like, they're, they're interchanging, you know, like, I mean, when I was growing up watching basketball, you thought of the Celtics as like, which is crazy, because I, I do actually like the Celtics now, but it was like, oh, they're a white team. You know, they're like, you don't like the Celtics. That's the white, that's the white boy team, you know? Um, and, and it, but it was like white boy, like racist, not like, oh, it's because they're, but it, it they just, yeah. it was something about the Celtics and they gave that off. And I, that has never really shed them. I don't think, um, I don't know that it's to that degree with Dallas, but I do think there's something similar going on with race and, you know, do you think that seeps down to players like free agents or do you think that's just like us as fans observing that? It's funny because um, it's in within the fan base. It's something we kind of talk, you know, joke about as well. Um, and I, I think I think the real like issue, not I, I wouldn't classify it as an issue, but I think what was going on was that um, our general manager, Donnie Nelson, he had a lot of ties to like, you know, the European like basketball market and scene. And he, he, before he became general manager, he was an international scout. So he has a lot of relationships with international, you know, players and um, agents um, and stuff of that nature. So he naturally, I guess, gravitated towards that market. So, you know, looking for undrafted free agents instead of looking at, you know, the college scene, you know, AAU scene, they're looking at, you know, the overseas scene. So they're bringing in guys like, you know, Maxi Kleber, you know, no one heard of Maxi Kleber, but you know, they somehow, you know, found him and they're bringing in, you know, their guys. So, you know, Luca, Donnie has been scouting him since he was like 12, 13, you know, so he, they kind of, um, that's how they operated. Um, that's how they got Cuban there. also made some kind of suspect comments where he's just like, European players are more skilled and like the way yes. it was this, it was this connotation like about the American players, but a lot of the American players are black, right? And so yeah. even though he didn't say that, there was that underlying, you know, tone there. Yeah, and that's that's another one of my big issues with him, the comments made about that. Even they asked Harrison Barnes about it too, because he was, you know, on the team at the time. And even Harrison Barnes is like, oh uh, yeah, I didn't agree with what he said. Yeah, he made, a, he made it seem like, um, like AAU players and American players, you know, black players, they rely on just athleticism and, you know, they're just raw and they don't really have skill in that. Yeah, Euro European players are like just only skillful and they rely on skill and stuff. And that's definitely not accurate. I'm sure, you know, we both know that's not accurate. So yeah, I think it definitely affects, um, I definitely think it might've affected um, free agency as well um, and how they approach, you know, free agency, how they approach the draft and just, everything off-season related I I Speaking hope of with, my old friend Harrison yeah. Barnes did you guys like the way they handled his little situation I did when not. They Harris, I love Harrison Barnes I'm sorry he was a brick for us most of the time but I I love Harrison Barnes I okay. am one of those maps I love Harrison Barnes I still love him if he wants to come back I'm welcome to it but I did not like it like granted um there's a lot of reports about how it went down and if he was really traded in the game. They asked him before the game um, if, like, they told him this might happen. Would you like to play? So he, he wanted to play. But um, even then, I didn't like the way how – like, I 
they gave him away for nothing. <laughs> like they just gave him away, you know, to try to clear cap space and they didn't use the cap space and he, you know, kind of changed his game in Sacramento and um became a really useful player, someone that we would need right now, but um that's another story. I What about just trading glad... away Seth Curry? Like did you understand that decision at the time? I know cuz I I like to always ask about at the time versus hindsight yeah. because in hindsight people were like, "Oh, y'all y'all let Seth Curry go and that was pretty silly." Yeah. But at the time, do you think it made sense? Yeah, I was one of those that thought it made a lot. Most of the fan base, even outsiders thought it made sense at the time because at the time, Josh Richardson was perceived to be a the better player like just all around game like we all knew Seth was a better shooter but just um all around game you know he's a better defender he could you know dribble you know put it on the floor play make a bit so he was thought to be the better player um but uh, it's just the fit was bad Seth I am not a like there's a lot of Mavs fans that whenever Seth you know does anything these days they're just crying and I'm like I understand it looks bad but to me, Seth and Philly's like a perfect fit. Like his game looks so much different and he's allowed to be a kind of a different player in Philly. So to me, that situation just matches him better. Like in Dallas, he was great for us. I, I liked his you know season here, but he was never going to be like how he is now in Dallas. It just wasn't going to work. Um, we were bringing him off the bench. You know, he's a starter in um, Philly. And in Dallas, he couldn't have been a longtime starter. He just can't, not next to Luca. Like the fit wasn't like, even though it was better than Josh Richardson, it wasn't perfect. So I always say you can't um, copy and paste production from team to team, especially, you know, role players. You can't just copy and paste their production. So at the time, I thought it was a great trade, but I can admit we took the L <laughs> in the end. I interrupted your thought when we were like wrapping up about, um, you know, just Cuban and his comments and whether free agents might see it that way. So I didn't know if you had anything to ha- to add before I moved on because I think I interrupted you. Oh yeah, no, no. I was I was just saying that. Um, yeah, I definitely. I just hope now that um, with the new you know regime, we have a new um general manager, kind of a new shakeup. Um. I, I'm not happy with the coach. <laughs> um, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, I'm not happy with the coach, but um, I'm just excited for newness at this point. Okay. So you don't think Jason Kidd was the right hire? No, um, no. <laughs> and, and why is that? So, yeah, when news came out, I was begging them to do their due diligence at the very least. Like, even... um. I know Jamal Mosley was like a popular um, option at the time because, you know, Luca loved him. All the guys loved him. You know, he looked like he was ready to take a step into, you know, head coaching territory. But I didn't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that because I thought, let's go outside of the house. You know, they try to keep everything in-house a bit too much, in my opinion. So I was saying, let's, you know, you hired a firm to help you with your search. Use the firm, you know, like really to do interviews try to get the best candidate possible and I remember saying anyone but Jason Kidd I was really adamant I did not want him to come coach a team like outside of basketball he had a lot of issues especially like with our issues like bringing that back it just looked bad and basketball wise like if you want to keep it basketball wise he's not his reputation he's not a good coach like I just was worried about his fit with this particular team and granted I don't think he's done a 
bad job so far, but it's definitely, it's nothing to, you know, it's not great. I think it's definitely a downgrade from Carlisle. Um, even though Carlisle, I thought his time was up with us anyway. Um, just from an X's and O's standpoint, it's definitely a downgrade. But I will say that he has um, gotten like the other guys like confidence up. And that does, you know, make a difference sometimes. And it's more meaningful. He's getting good basketball out of Porzingis, um, which is their number one priority for, from the offseason. So I can say that part of it is a success. But I was just not happy with how it went down because reports came out that they did not consider anyone else other than um, Jason Kidd, pretty much. And they didn't do their due diligence. And I was a bit upset about that. Okay. Um, Carlisle, um, he's always kind of like a stick up his ass, you know, like, yes. um, <laughs> you know, um, my guy, I probably shouldn't say that. No one understands why I love him, but I do. I have a, a love for Sean Rondo, flawed and all. And, um, oh. and so I, I remember his time very well on the Mavs and, that didn't end well. So I know a lot of Mavs fans don't care for him, but I was like, it's not shocking to me that a player like Rondo didn't work out with Carlisle because like, you want to call all the plays for Rondo and that like, he, I mean, I know there were other things going on, but he's just not that kind of player. So I guess at the time, I'm kind of tying this back to your comment about they always want the big fish, not saying that Rondo was like a big, big fish, but he was one of the big names at the time. And so I felt like if they would have ever thought about that from fit, they would have known. Cause I never thought that was a great trade. The moment it happened, I forget the other teams, honestly, now that were possibilities at the time, but I was just like, I think the Mavs were not the place where Rondo needed to go. Um, so when it all kind of like imploded <laughs> and him and Carlisle had that little shouting match with each other, I wasn't shocked at all. Yeah, um, that shouldn't have happened anyway. They, like I said, they they panicked for no reason. I think we had um at at that point in the season we were the best. We like were having like a historic offensive season, and I get that we weren't like like high in the standings. We were kind of like middling in that middle six seed ish, and they wanted to you know kind of shake it up and get someone you know get a name like you said and. To me, they ruined something to get Rondo, and I'm I'm not a Rondo fan, you know, because of his time in Dallas. But like you said, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good fit. Um, Carlisle is just he's as an X's and O's coach, one of the best. But in terms of just the human element, no, like right. he yeah he just does not get along with a lot of his players. And at some point, you have to look and say like, hey, we can, you know, be mad at Rondo. We can be mad at all these different guys. You know, Jay Crowder always has something to say, you know, when he plays us. So I'm like, you can get mad at all these different guys, but look at Carlisle. Like, you know, he has to be in, you know, an issue with so many people have an issue with him. So I I wasn't that, like him and Dirk got along well because I don't know. I know him and Luca had issues, um, which I'd like to talk about, but were there other players in the past on the Mavs that, there were issues between them and Carlisle. I don't know the Mavs in and out well enough to know that. Yeah, so in terms of Dirk, yeah, him and Dirk got along. It was no issues there. He he butts, he usually butts heads with point guards, um, Carlisle, because 
you know, he's so, um, he gives short leashes to like point guards, you know, young guys. And he, you know, used to, he kind of towards the end because of his issues with Luca, he kind of loosened his reins a bit, but he's always a guy, a lot of play calling, a lot of um, control kind of over everything on Mm -hmm. the floor. Um, You're not going to play at a fast pace in, you know, Carlisle's teams and stuff like that. So he doesn't mesh well with like, you know, definitely a certain type of player. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, like, I granted, you know, when the reports came out with, you know, him and Dennis Jr., um, players like Justin Anderson, you know, came to his defense saying, hey, you know, Carlisle was great, but, you know, you have other players like Dennis Jr. saying, well, I don't agree, you know, he didn't treat me well. So I, I just felt like at the time, even before he um, resigned, I just, like, you just knew his time was up with the team. Like, just it, his his aspirations are bigger. You know, he should be a championship coach in my opinion coaching a contender right now granted he's in indiana and that's a, that's a different story but um we all thought he was like going to milwaukee if they had lost or something and i was ready for him to go because i understand that i think that job coach, was his if they lost like yeah, i've never so seen too. a bad coach get saved that way because like <laughs> I, let me not say a bad coach he's not a bad coach um i don't think he's a great postseason coach um yeah. And Budenhauser, man, that guy, he has like nine lives because yeah. like he should not have a job anymore. And because Giannis bailed him out, he still does. And so whatever. Um, so yeah, I think everyone thought the Carlisle job, I mean, the, the Bucks job was going to be Carlisle. Um, you know, I have a theory. I'm not like a fan of like the whole certain coaches can only like coach like like really good teams and high-end talent and like some coaches you know if you think of like the tibs of the world like they can like maximize you know get the best out of like maybe like less talented teams I'm like I'm a fan of the coach that can do it all like that's the good coach to me right so like a coach like Eric Spolstra we've seen him coach all different kinds of teams and he does well with all of them and I get it not everyone's a spo but like to me I'm not a like I get it that I don't want to say that like you just get a bunch of talented guys on the court and they're going to be great because I mean not that they're like a bottom feeding team but I think the Nets are sort of underachieving so far this year even without Kyrie right and that's a high-end talented team so that's a, a credit to, to, to Kerr, I guess, in a way, when you think about what he came in and did in Golden State, that also requires certain kinds of players and buy-in too, right? Like, yeah. I don't think that Kevin Durant and, and James Harden have those personalities anyway. I, I, purpose, I think they purposely went to a team like Brooklyn so they could kind of dictate like what was going to happen because they immediately got rid of Kenny Atkinson, who I think is a great coach, you know? I think so too. So, um, so it takes that, right? Like if Kerr didn't have a superstar like Steph, who to me is like from the Tim Duncan elk in terms of the kind of superstar he is and leader that he is, um, it doesn't necessarily work. Right. And so I think it would have worked with a Carlisle and a Giannis just because Giannis is also that kind of player. Like he's going to like 
buy into what the coach is saying and go along with it and whatever, right? But I still think there's something to be said about the fact that like you guys need like that kind of high-end talented to be like a good coach. It doesn't mean that you don't have anything to offer, but I, to me, I think a good coach should be able to work with any level of team, you know? Um, and that's, that's one of my biggest criticisms. I know it's like, how can you criticize Steve Kerr? But I do it all the time. And, um, it's one of my biggest criticisms because I feel like sometimes he's a little overcredited for like the success, you know, of stuff. It's kind of like the Tom Brady Belichick thing. It's the pop thing with his players. Like, it's always like, Oh, pop in the system. And he's so great. Nah, bro, like you haven't seen that same success since Tim Duncan has been gone, right? Like y'all gotta like coaches are, Pop is an amazing coach. And I actually think Pop is one of the coaches that can get a lot from teams that are less talented. I'm just saying that like, there's only so much credit you can give to a coach in the system. You have to have certain players too. And I don't like that we don't always give those players the proper credit, but instead give it to like, this man on the sideline it's a it's a a quirk that I have it's not a you know but that's how I feel so I I like I think Carlisle's a good coach and I've also thought he's a little bit of an overrated coach I think that's my opinion of him yeah that's that's fair he's a to me very overrated regular season coach but the postseason I can give him his his flowers like he will make the most out of nothing in the postseason but yeah overall yeah I think he's slightly I mean you're seeing it in Indiana in my opinion um he was like there's certain trends with him and you see it like the Mavs we weren't really a great clutch team under Carlisle the Pacers are a horrible clutch team right now like there's certain like there's certain patterns with him that I feel like doesn't get like talked about okay so you thought it was Carlisle's time to go but didn't love the Jason Kidd hiring but like some things he has going on with the role guys. So you should know this because SJ and I only recently started following each other. I think like um, she was referred to me and then I checked her out and I like loved, uh, I've turned into like an SJ sort of fan. Okay. So like, (laughs) she's brilliant guys. Like um, she's not going to tell you. So I'm going to tell you because we fan (laughs) out over black women on this podcast. But I mean, she's 22. She's in grad school already because she went to college very young because she's a genius. She's brilliant. So um, she's uh, really great, really smart. And I'm so, like I said earlier, I'm so excited to have you on, but I just wanted to like plug you again as well. So, you. um, you know, you should know because I don't know if you know about me that I don't always talk nicely about Luca. Um, and you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of known as a Luca hater, um, which is unfortunate because, like, if you actually looked at my tweets in Luca's like first season, there was a lot of praise for him. Um, but people don't look at those tweets, so they look at like last year and you know I don't talk about him that much there ain't much to talk about he's not doing nothing um but um I'm pretty critical of Luca um and he probably doesn't deserve all my criticism but um there's two reasons I'm really critical of Luca one is 
this is the reason that he it's not fair to him is because I feel like there was this like really, really mass agenda push to like elevate him too early. You know, he was being ranked higher than established players with more accolades who had done more. And I'm a big, I'm a big believer in you have to accomplish some things before I'm just going to start saying like, you're this, like people were just like, but that's their career. Those are past resumes. But there's a reason why they have those things on their resume. Like, I'm sorry, but Kevin Durant is still in the league. Stephen Curry's still in the league. These players are still here. And you guys are telling me that Luca's better than some of them. I don't understand why you're telling me that Luca's better than some of them, right? So I didn't like that. But I also felt, and I also felt in large part, the push was about him being white. I did. Um, you know, and there are people like, oh, you're crazy, but I don't think that I am. You know, I, I think the way the NBA has operated is like, they're always like, they want to find their next big thing. Right. And so like, I don't know if they're feeling like it's the end for LeBron. So we need to start like figuring out who the next person is. But I'm like, first of all, y'all are delusional because your next person is right here. His name is Wardell Stephen Curry, <laughs> and he's a fucking cash cow. I don't know why y'all are looking in other places. But secondly, like Luca is really young. He still has some things to do anyway, um, but it's he's the next face of the league. He's definitely the next face of the league. He's top this in the NBA. And I'm like, he's better than Joel Embiid he's better than all these people and he hasn't even made it out the first round and there was a lot of no help he had no help he had no help and I said well whenever you have heliocentric style of play players the argument seems to always be with those guys that there is no help so maybe it's not that there's no help but maybe it's the way that he plays basketball and I would be told well he doesn't trust his teammates like if he had teammates he could trust he would give up the ball more because he did that in Europe. You know, he knows how to play like that. And, you know, there were people who pushed back against me. Some people call me racist (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I said that I speak about race a lot and people don't like to talk about race, but I do. But I, I felt very confident that whether it was conscious or unconscious, that part of the reason he was being elevated and Luca's an incredible basketball player. I know that, but I also know that like James Harden showed up out of shape to camp. Um, and he never kind of got the passes that Luca did, you know? And I don't even mean just this year. I mean, people forget like back in Houston, like that one year that James Harden didn't make all NBA, but he was coming off the season. I forget what, what year that was. And he started the season kind of slow. He was like really out of shape, but by the end of the year, he like, you know, he was in shape, his numbers were great, and he didn't make all NBA, and it was largely because he was penalized, you know, um, and they were talking about him, oh, he's out of shape, and he's this, and I'm just like, why does he get that kind of treatment, you know, but Luca doesn't, you know, and um, last year, I remember, they kept saying, Luca's in the MVP race, you know, Th- this is, Dallas was like, not even a 500 team for a large part of the season, And I'm just like, okay, let me look at this. The Warriors are above 500 and Steph is not even in the top five because he finished top three, but I'm saying like throughout the season, but Luca, whose team is below 500 is top five in the MVP conversation still. Why? What is he doing to, to, to warrant that? 
And so it, it was trends like that that I would see and they were irking me. And so because of that, my wrath got taken out on Luca, which I will acknowledge is not fair that that's what happened. But secondly, I truly am not a fan of the brand of basketball he plays. It's, I call him white James Harden. You know, on a level, it's like that that brawn brand of basketball where there's like one person who dominates the ball and makes a lot of the decisions. Um, I don't think that's a winning form of basketball, personally. So those are the two reasons why I'm really hard on Luca. I just said a lot, but I wanted you to know that coming into the discussion with me before we talk about Luca. Yeah, no problem. And here's the thing, like, I, like, all of what you said, like, that's, you're not, like, the first person to, you know, like, echo, you know, sentiments like that. And some of it, it's, it's totally fair, in my opinion. Um, Like, for example, like, I would agree, I wouldn't, or let me say, I wouldn't push back too hard on the notion that part of the reason why, you know, he gets a big push is because he's white. Like, well, I not the sole reason. That. You're right. Not the yeah, sole yeah, reason. I, part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't push back on that. That's true. You know, we, I, I know as a Black woman in this society, like white, you know, white men, especially, they get, you know, elevated um, in ways that others don't get um, sometimes. So I am fully aware of that. I, I wouldn't push back on that. But I think a bigger reason as to why he gets pushed isn't like race related. It's I think it's um, age related and numbers related. I think in this day and age in the NBA, like we're obsessed with numbers and like stats and counting stats and all that. And he came out the gate like really young with these like outrageous numbers. And you're like, you know, how can a you know 19 year old, you know, be putting up these numbers? Like this is outrageous. Him in conversations with MJ was nasty. <laughs> yeah. And but nasty like, to me. <laughs> but by looking at the numbers, if you're looking like like I said, looking at the numbers, he was in that conversation. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like we're just so obsessed with numbers that I think that's why he got the push that he got. They thought you know, you're looking at development and they're thinking it's linear. So, oh, he's going to get better, you know, year after year after year. And if he's already, you know, averaging this, imagine what he'll average in like, you know, three, four years, you know, he's not even near his prime. So I think that's why he got put over a lot of guys. And I'm one, I make it clear that I don't do that. Like I, a lot of, um, you know, Mavs fans within the fan base, they call me a Luka hitter. So they call you a Luka hitter. I get called a Luka what? hitter too. Yes, I get called a Luca hater. Why? Why do they think you're a Luca hater? Because I tell the truth about him, like, like you know, stuff like that. Like, I've I've seen Mavs fans say like he's on like goat trajectory and stuff like that, and I'm like, all right, relax. Like, you know, like he he's definitely not. And some guys, you know, they they try to put him in like last year they were saying he was top five. I was pushing back. I was like, he's not top five. Like, let's not, you know do that like let's not overrate him because you know people are you know not that you should care about that but people are pushing back against him because you know you're trying to elevate him you know too quickly and all that so I I yeah I get called a Luca hater because I don't you know put him on that crazy pedestal but I do I just want to be honest about him and I think that both sides sometimes aren't very honest about him and you know it is what it is like you know I, I player of his caliber he's gonna get a lot of noise you know surrounding him so it is what it is um but I will say with um just his style of play and like okay I'll start with the playoffs first um 
to me, the first round arguments, it's jokes at this point, you know, is what it is. People are going to use it, you know, in their little silly debates saying that he, you know, he can't get out of first round all that. But I, I don't understand that pushback against him because he was never favored in any of those series. Like, if you look at those Mavs teams, like, we have been a sev- technically a seven seed, like for three straight seasons. You know, they haven't changed the team. The first year, you know, we had a historic offense, but we couldn't guard anything. <laughs> we, we couldn't guard anything. So we were, and we couldn't close out games. We were a seven seed, um, got eliminated um, by a title contender at the time, even though they had an epic flame out, which All I right. very much enjoyed, but they were a title contender. Like if you ask most people before that series, they had us getting swept or like five at most, like, you know, and we took it to six, you know, we were that scrappy team that took it to six. So a lot of people expected, um, like you said, they were before the season or putting Luca in MVP conversation because his second year, you know, he was fourth. So again, like I said, they're thinking linear, you know, development. So if he was fourth in the race, his second year, you know, third year, he must win it. You know, <laughs> that's what they were, you know, thinking. So he had a lot of expectations that to me, he didn't really meet, especially at the beginning of the season. Like you said, he showed up, you know, out of shape. He was just not playing good ball and then we had you know COVID destroy us and um then we started playing better after the fact and we were the fifth seed but the entire time I said we're really a seventh seed we were tied f- with the seventh seed we just right. five because of you know division record so we were we didn't really improve and now this year we're about we're six now we're barely we're one game over 500 like we're the same team you know what I mean so like last year we went up two on the Clippers, and that was great. And, you know, you can say we choked the two. Did you think we you had even... the series in the bag once you guys were up two? Oh, No, I was nervous because I, a lot of, um, I'm, like I said, I'm a, I try to be like a realist, you know, kind of fan. So I didn't have us winning. I, I did not have us winning at all. <laughs> like, I was like, there's, we're just not going to win. But I said, if, if we push it to seven that we'd win, that's what I said. I was like, if it's anything less than seven, we'd lose. But if we push it to seven, we'd win. But I was wrong on that. But um, I, I didn't have them winning. But when we went up 2-0, I got excited. I got excited. You should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course. I was, you know, I was really excited. I was like, is this about to happen? Like, I was just like just seeing how everyone was playing and I know we had historic you know shooting numbers like we were shooting the lights out but I was excited and then when they came to Dallas and when I saw we were up a milling again I thought it was going to be a five game series like when we were up those like 20 points in that first quarter I was like yep they're gonna win you know game four I was like we're winning game five I was like we're this is done we're five games and then you know the infamous submission um or substitution with Luca you know, going out and all that. And when they won game two and um games three and four, I, I knew they were gonna win. I didn't feel I didn't feel like we were gonna close it out. But seven, we went seven. And again, if you ask people before the series started, they wouldn't have said, you know, we would have won or we would have taken them to seven. A lot of it was like six, you know, that oh, was trust like me. Us Warriors fans know all about revisionism because now Steph Curry has yeah. all the help in the world when <laughs> nobody was checking for Andrew Wiggins or Belly or Otto Porter or any of these yeah. guys. They're all on fucking minimum deals. But now, <laughs> you know, um, we yeah, weren't even protected. So I know I understand that. And there is no shame in losing to the Clippers at all. Um, my, my only pushback against that is that 
if you got like not you guys meaning you but meaning yeah. the the public at large the people who mm-hmm. elevate Luca if you were going to put him into conversations with other top talent then the expectations can't be different and he's going to get that criticism because when he did ultimately lose I heard a lot of the they weren't favored and you you know it was the Kawhi and this and that I said but when y'all were up 2-0 y'all weren't saying that y'all were like this is done and this is you know whatever and I said they went up 2-0 and then went up 3-2 and he went back home and had a chance to like do it there and didn't get the job done I said he also was horrific in every fourth quarter like if we're going to um talk about him like then we're gonna hold him to the same standards as everyone else if you let him actually naturally develop as he should as a young player then I think it's fine to say like wow that's really impressive what he did to go seven with the clips right um, once he develops, once the team develops, whatever it is, they get some new pieces in, they're going to be a real threat. Not for losing in the first round saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come into the season and rank him above, above Steph Curry. And of course I take that personally because Steph is my guy. And so I don't want to hear that. But even the season before they had him ranked above Kevin Durant. They had him ranked above like several players, you know, and people like, well, Kevin Durant was coming off of this injury and we didn't know. Listen, all I know is every year I see him ranked highly. I see him that he's going to be the front runner for MVP. And then he starts the season and it's a slow season. This year he was badly out of shape. You know, I I just, I needed to stop. I need the hysteria to stop. And I think after two years of it being like that, people probably aren't going to like, you know, who knows? Because if he does crazy in the postseason again this year, it might be the same shit, whether y'all win or not. If he's like insane in the postseason, people are going to be like, Luca, Luca magic, Luca, you know? So I don't know because people have like very short memories. They get like really excited about the stat. That's the way I feel about James Harden. Every year he has like these stretches during the season where he's scoring and going crazy. And people are like, oh, he's the best you know, score ever. He's better than Dwayne Wade and all this blasphemous stuff they say. And then what ultimately happens in the postseason? I'm like, how many times y'all gonna get fooled by this guy? So I'm not saying that that's Luca. That's not what I'm saying. But um, I think people have short memories, which sometimes you should have a short memory, but he could very easily, I think with like a stretch or in the postseason, have people erase everything that happened so far this season and so I I will watch for it and I just want to let you know as my new friend and mutual SJ that if it happens again (laughs) I will be on Luca's ass okay so yeah I I understand I follow I actually follow quite a bit of people who aren't like fans of him (laughs) but again like I said I I can I understand the criticism and I'm one I'm someone I will criticize him because I feel like a lot of Mavs fans they treat him like a separate entity from the team and I'm like I didn't like some of y'all might have followed Luca to the team I don't follow Luca to the team he came to my team <laughs> you know like he he came to my team so he's if if he's having a stinker I'm gonna do like what I do with everyone else I'm gonna make the jokes like he should be in the G League like he's not you know like he's not exempt from jokes in my opinion or criticism to me so I'm I'm gonna say it. and I mean, to your point about, I think there's a point where players get to that level. I do, but I just feel like Luca, when I say that, meaning like if he had 
if he's brought a few trips to Dallas and done some things, then yeah, I don't think fans should be criticizing him. But like when he hasn't done that yet, I think that's me personally, but that's my own issue with the way like Warriors fans, like someone last night said that they can't defend Steph anymore. You can't defend Steph anymore. <laughs> like, these are the kinds of things that happen in my fan base. So, you know, um, yeah. but um, I, you know, like to me, I would feel like for most people, Dirk is Teflon, right? And like, you're not going to talk about Dirk, right? And he, to me, yeah. has earned that, right? And so that that's what I mean. I feel like he's earned it. Um, so look, Luca's like I said, he's an amazing talent and I have no doubt that he'll be successful in this league. But I just think he has to like earn some of the praise that he's getting. So with that, being, with that being said, he's been out, right? Because he's dealing with an injury. Did he come back? Yeah, he it? yes, he returned two games ago. We had just had a back-to-back um OKC in Denver. So he came back for the OKC game. And yeah, he had an ankle injury. Um you guys right- just beat Denver, right? Last was it last yeah, night? Last last night, yeah. Um, yeah, he had an ankle injury from um, when we played Denver, actually, the second time Austin Rivers like fell on his ankle. And it was like a really bad turn. He was out for a couple games, came back, but I think he came back too early because he just looked like bad. He was limping all over the court and he like returned it. So he had to sit back out. Then right when he was going to return, he had, you know, got in, sent into protocol. So it's been a very up and down um, season for him specifically, and he's back and he looks okay. <laughs> I mean, so I was ask, like, how's he? Well, like you know, like James Harden like wasn't looking great for a lot of the season, and then he went out because of protocols. But now he's come back and he's playing a lot more like the James Harden we all know, and it looks like he may have lost some weight and maybe his conditioning or his body's maybe where it needs to be has any of that happened for Luca or um I would say no because he in the post-game presser after his first game back in OKC he said um like his chest was like burning and um he like when he, he had was COVID in, right he had COVID yeah he said when he was in quarantine he did have symptoms he had low energy you know so I think it's affected him a bit different so it'll take him granted he had a he had an okay game in OKC he didn't really shoot well but he was you know dishing it out all of that but he kept turning the ball over but in Denver it was much better like he again didn't shoot well um you can tell like a lot of his shots like in the paint were like just short so you could tell he I don't think he he has his legs back but he was like so much better and he's um he's coming along I think I'm a bit disappointed in the season because I thought he would have come in in shape and this was going to be the year where, you know, he, you know, he plays out of his mind and I thought we would have really needed it, you know, given that the team didn't improve um, in terms of getting, you know, pieces that would move the needle. And I thought we downgraded, you know, as at, at coach. So I thought we would have really needed him to be, you know, that MVP caliber player to, you know, make some noise. And he hasn't been that. Um, I think it's been a bit overblown. Like, I mean, I make jokes, but I, they're just jokes at the end of the day. But I think it's a bit overblown. People think, you know, say he's been just ass this season. And I'm like, he he hasn't been ass. <laughs> like, ass is, no offense, not to throw a stray, but ass is De'Aaron Fox. Like, De'Aaron Fox has been ass. <laughs> you can say he's been ass. 
but Luca's my guy though, so I'm gonna let you take yeah. that shot at him and not push back <laughs> to you too much. But that's my that's my baby. God. Yeah, but but yeah, so the, to me that's that's what like bad or you know, for a star would be. Um, but he's definitely not lived up to any, you know, hype that anyone has had and it'll I hope he, you know, gets it, you know, gets it together real quick. But um yeah, I just think um that the shape, the conditioning thing, I I have been on him about that for so long. And the funny thing is like the bubble was like his second year, he was like, Oh my goodness, he was like really in shape. Like he was blown by like to me now he could only really blow by bigs. Like he's not blown by anybody right now because he's just so out of shape. But second year, he was blown anyone you put in front of him, he was gone. Like that first step was crazy. And in the bubble, he took it up another notch. You know, he hired a chef, you know, he had a personal trainer. He came in the bubble in shape and he played some of his best ball in the bubble. And then, you know, two seasons in a row, he starts out of shape. And I'm on that. Like I said last season, and I got a lot of pushback from it, from, like I said, Mavs fans calling me a Luka hater. I said that um, he is not an MVP caliber player at the moment. um, And he won't be until he gets, you know, his conditioning together and becomes like more of a leader. And I got pushback for it. I don't understand why. I I don't think I said anything wrong. Um. And it's true, like, to me, conditioning isn't a thing that's going to happen overnight, which is why um, I don't have much thoughts about where the Mavs are going to go, like, this season, maybe even next, because I just don't see him being at the point where he needs to be for the team to be really successful, like, really, like, contender status. But he's my guy, so I will believe that he's going to get it together, you know, at some point. And I, I can hope that he does it sooner rather than, you know, like later waiting until he's like at the end of his contract and getting in shape for another team. I would I don't want that to happen. So I hope he can um, get it together sooner or later because it, it is a problem whether, you know, fans want to admit it or not. It's not the biggest problem with the Mavs, but it is like it's definitely a problem. Are he and Kid getting along? Um, By all accounts, yeah. um, Yeah, Kid the big thing with kid he communicates with the players so um they he asked he had this three-man council I don't know if it's still a thing like at the beginning of the season yeah they would like help make decisions and stuff like that with like who's starting who's playing and all that so I'm like okay like do we know who was the part of the three-man council um I think it was um our guests at the time was um KP Luca and Tim since they were like the our three best players but I think it was Brunson, um, KP and and Luca because did I said news recently that Brunson was gonna be the starter now? Yeah, he's starting now. Yeah, he's okay. he's starting now. Yeah, you couldn't put him back on the bench with what he was doing. But yeah, the big thing with kid, he communicates a lot with the guys. They talk a lot. So um, by all accounts, um, they look like they get along great, which is what we need <laughs> at this point. So I I think the Brunson move is interesting because um, a lot of the no help arguments for Luca last year was there's not another playmaker there's not someone else another creator so I'm like, I'm like what what happened to Brunson you know like what what about this guy and you know there were some people who were just like he was you know he couldn't do anything and then there's some people I know I saw some Dallas fans who thought that he was underutilized um last year maybe he wouldn't have made the difference I don't know but did you feel the same way that the sentiment was reflected at least 
you know, over NBA Twitter and in the media, just like Luca has no help. He has no help. Like, did you feel like that? You felt like he just had no squad to work with. I understand thinking the Clippers are better and more talented, but did you feel that he was just out there with a bunch of bums? In the okay, so to me, this is a hard question to to answer because to me, it's yes and no, but very specifically to certain situations. So, like in the playoffs, I wouldn't classify it as no help, but I think they, I'm, I stand on the hill. I don't think I'll ever leave it, especially rewatching a series. Had they like they had to play that way to even get to seven. I believe I don't like the Clippers was just a, such a bad matchup for Porzingis at the time with how he was like just moving and his headspace and everything. Porzingis, I agreed with the decision like as it was happening to put him like in the corner and be a decoy. Porzingis was not like a, like in the first two games they tried they were feeding him the ball. He could not make a shot over Rondo like he like to me like a. I thought the second game he played well didn't he the second game he played well yeah he the second game he played within the offense and I remember comment the first game he was horrible second game he played like within the offense and the third game he he was a part of the reason why we like blew that lead and then I think after that the coaching staff kind of gave up I mean whether you think they gave up trying to you know make him a focal point prematurely that's another debate but I feel like with the way he was moving like um he was not he's not the Porzingis you see right now and in terms of Brunson, that was a horrible matchup for him. It turns out Brunson is not great with, like, length um, and, you know, athletic wings on him. And that's what the Clippers did. They put athletic wings on him, and he didn't really have a great series. And then by the end, towards the end, um, Carlisle just had a short leash with him. And I disagree. That was one thing I disagree with. I He played, like, 10 minutes in Game 7, and Trey Burke, got his minutes. I 100% still disagree with that decision. Like, I understand Brunson wasn't great, but in no, under no circumstances are you going to take his minutes away to give them to Trey Burke. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, that, that I didn't like. So, in the playoffs, not to say that it was no help, because in the games we did win, guys stepped up, because in my opinion, I hate the no help argument just in general, because no one in history has ever won without, like, at least a good team around them. Like, no one has ever won by themselves, ever. So um, I don't like the no help argument, um, just in general. But um, I – so I wouldn't say he had no help, but I think that that was – with what was going on, how guys were, I think that was the best way we had to play, given the piece that we had. However, um, during the season, like – and this kind of contributed to him being in the MVP conversation. You said top five. I didn't agree. The whole last year, I was saying he should not be in the conversation. I was getting pushback, like I said, Mavs fans calling me Luca hater because I said he wasn't an MVP caliber player. But they were trying to make the narrative that he dragged, you know, the team to the five seed, you know, getting. And I'm like, that's getting no help. And I'm like, that's not true. Like <laughs> I was there when we started to play really well in that second half of the season. It was because the role players stepped up. Like Dorian Finney-Smith, he was a brick the first half of the season, you know, he got COVID, he had a bit of a rough time coming back, and then he shot, like, 40% from three, the, like, rest of the season, he was great for us, Brunson stepped up his scoring, too, he was great for us, even for yeah, Davis, I remember like, talking about Brunson, like, he should maybe be in yeah. the six-man conversation, yeah, exactly, Tim was, um, we moved into a six-man role as well, and he was playing well, like, these guys stepped up, 
and even now like I oh my goodness did I don't like what the fan base has done over the past couple weeks um with Luca being out like we haven't had a great you know win-loss record where we ended five and five 500 which is great without him in the 10 games you played without him which is great a yeah. 500 record without your star player is excellent exactly but during like while it was happening we were like maybe like four and eight at the time or something like that and I just thought um the just the narr- or four and eight over the past two seasons they were counting up the past two seasons and when people were trying to praise Brunson like I remember a tweet it was like oh Brunson has really stepped up you know as the start of Luka B now you know he's averaging 20 points and someone like with the biggest Mavs account you know on Twitter replied with a tweet saying oh we're four and eight and I'm like, are you like, what is going on? Like, we can't compliment, you know, guys for playing well because you want the dominant narrative to be he has no help. So you can't give other guys credit that I don't agree with because those guys, yeah, we haven't some games we should have won. You know, we might have not, you know, closed it out well because Daw were missing or closer, you know, but all things considered, they played very well. I was really encouraged with what I saw, you know some guys stepped up, you know, guys that were calling useless, like Dorian Finney-Smith, some of these guys, they stepped up and showed, hey, you know, maybe we're not, you know, elite or anything like that, but we can play, we can play, and that, at that, that's why I don't, I wouldn't consider this team as no help, um, I think we have a talent deficit, definitely, if you look at just a lot of teams, like, our team is made up of, and I'm not saying this I'm going to be careful when I say this, but um, our team is just made up of, you know, undrafted guys, like a lot of lower end, you know, lottery talent. And at the end of the day, if you look around the league, it's like a lot of the top guys, they were lottery picks, you know, <laughs> they were, they were highly touted prospects, you know, and all that. We don't have a ton of that, you know, on our team. It's like, it's like Luca, you know, Porzingis, you know, Brunson, even though he was a second round pick, he's great. Um, but, and then after that, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, one of our best players, undrafted dude, you know, Maxi Kleber, one of our best players, undrafted dude, you know, you know, like, so I think we have a talent deficit, but it's not to the point where people think we're like the fucking Detroit Pistons. Um, I'm sorry if I cursed that. I don't know how no. you cursed that. Girl, I okay, cursed like but, a sailor. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But we're not the Pistons. Definitely not the Pistons. Or Trust me, like I understand narratives because, like, last night, Steph didn't even score 10 points. And, which is, I think, the first time this season he hasn't scored in double digits. But who cares? We won the fucking game, you know? Um, and people were just so, like, zeroed in on how it's hurting his MVP candidacy bro it's fucking January yo and like you think it's better the Giannis put up more stats and they lost to the fucking Pistons do you think that's helping his MVP case like I'm just saying like all the people that you guys are like concerned about they all took L's last night the Nets they lost three in a row and they lost Okay, they lost to the fucking Clippers the other day with nobody. (laughs) That team is fucking depleted. You know what I'm saying? And Katie last night shot eight for 24. Do you see the Nets fan base having a fucking meltdown because he shot eight for 24? (laughs) Like, what? Like, why do y'all like this? It is so 
ridiculous to me like I really like kind of lost my shit I mean I lose my shit a lot so that's not saying much (laughs) but I was just like y'all are morons because this is crazy we won the game this is a good thing the fact that the team can play well despite Steph having a really 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 bad shooting night that bodes well for us that means we're a legit fucking team like that's a good thing right but like if you think the reason we are not on pace to win 66 games if you think that's not because of Steph Curry you're delusional and at the end of the day the 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 guy who leads the team to the most wins being the best player on that team when his team wasn't even projected to be higher than like six and for some people at a playing spot again y'all are delusional that mvp is his okay it's his as long as he plays to his level okay i'm not gonna worry about the 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 best shooter to ever play the fucking game i don't even like saying that shit people know me it like pains me because i think it's like Honestly, it's a diss to even say that because I think he's better than just a shooter. But if you think the best shooter to touch a basketball and at worst, a top three player in the league, if you're really concerned that he is going to shoot, by the way, this is what we're upset about, that he's, oh dear, shooting 44% from field goals percentage, a 6'3 fucking point guard. Because he set his standards so high that you people like Dame Lillard are praised for the stats that Steph is putting up this year. So when people say that he's not playing at an MVP level, I'm like, no, what you're saying is he's not playing at Steph's level because he very much so is still playing at an incredibly high level. And I'm going to need y'all to do better than just looking at field goal percentage when 66% of his shots are from three this year, okay? Highest volume of threes that he's ever shot and he's shooting them at a 40% clip. What does that tell you guys? Okay. I just, it, it like the need for him to be like dominant so they can like then go with their, their agenda. Right. It's the same thing you were kind of expressing about Luca. Like, it doesn't matter to me if Steph has health, I help. I don't care if he's not averaging 30 and I don't give a shit if he's inefficient. I know that this shit works because of him. I know that when he's running around the damn court, drawing three defenders even if he has eight points for the night that is still helping Andrew Wiggins get wide open Andrew Wiggins is probably going to be an all-star this year that's fucking incredible people wrote him off when he left Minnesota that's fucking value the man said I've never been this open before in my life what why do they think that is please SJ tell me why has this man never been more open in his life until now what who is that because of I'm sorry. I'm not putting you on the spot like that. It's rhetorical, <laughs> but it just, you know, so yeah. it it was like annoying to me this morning. And so I, I appreciate that you said like it annoys you because my fan base annoys me at times too. And you would think that when you're winning and have the best record in the NBA that like you would be excited. And yet we were having a meltdown, a meltdown last night. So, um, and we beat the Miami Heat in the process. It wasn't even like a bottom feeder team. We beat the Miami yeah. Heat. And I get that they were missing some guys, but that's still the Miami Heat. They're a solid squad. So um, it was silly to me. So we're about to play you guys. We're about to play the Mavs. Um, it's our first matchup for the year. I don't 
remember if we meet up three times or four times this year, but it's our first matchup for the year. So Luca's back, but don't you guys have some other people in protocols right now? Yes. Yeah, so we just got our whole team back just to lose Porzingis. <laughs> so, um, Damn. yeah, we lost him a couple days ago. So he's the only like regular rotation guy. Um, so he won't be I playing when we play you guys. He won't be playing. No, I don't believe so. So I think Boban might be clearing sometime soon, but he, like I said, he didn't really play. Um, and some G League guys and Trey Burke, but like I said, they're not in the rotation. So our full rotation is back on uh, minus Porzingis. Um, so, so yeah, what do you I expect am... from that game then. Oh boy. Okay. So at the That's beginning, that's gonna I... be on Wednesday. Yeah. And it's going to be on national TV. It's going to be yeah. on ESPN. So, but Lucas may be due for like a big splashy game, right? Yeah. And it's Dirk retirement um, game, his Jersey retirement game yeah. too. So it's, it's a lot going on. Um, and I, I'm, I will tell you this though, historically yeah. when Steph has a really, really just abysmal shooting night. Yes. He comes, I, I'm aware. <laughs> he comes back hard. <laughs> that's, that's. That was something I was gonna, you know, bring up too that I'm concerned about. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie. Before the season, I was not hiring the Warriors. Like you know, all those tweets saying, "What team aren't you as high on as everyone?" I said the Warriors. I a part of it was definitely like hate, <laughs> a little hate in my heart. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was just tired, <laughs> you know. I did not want to see the Warriors great again. Like I was, it's the I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan, by the way. So it's oh like the, my gosh, you know? <laughs> your mother must like want to just own you, but she can't. Oh my she mother, loves you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I I how you is know, that have possible? A little, um, I like the so it was like the Mavs and Heat back in so that's that possible. Like he's not a great player. This tells me yeah, how but much no, it is. was I, I liked him on the the Heat when I was getting. Uh, you know, into basketball. And like I said, I was watching at the time with no agenda. So I was y'all beat about him. It. We did, but like I said, after I he thinking, laughed at Dirk and you still like him? I was watching without no agendas. Like without agendas. And <laughs> when you found watching. out he laughed at Dirk, you still like him? It, it is what it is. It's I guess as a Mavs fan, that's my flaw. Because it's funny because they they really don't like him. But you know, I, I don't know. I can't he laughed at the goat. Not the goat, but you know what I mean. The goat of I mean of that's the that's water under under the bridge at this point. But um, I, does Dirk really like Bron like that? I don't get the sense that he does. I, he I just, don't think they talk. They're, they're you know they don't really. Talk I'm not saying they're friends, but it's just the way he talks. Like I'm not that he disses him, but it's like he's like Kobe's the hardest player that I've ever had to play yeah. against on the court, and he just it yeah. doesn't sound like he reveres him in the same way. When oh I yeah, definitely not. I mean, he beat him. <laughs> you know, like he beat him, so he's not gonna, you know, like you know, granted he beat Kobe too, but you know he beat Braun like in the finals, finals. So it's not, you know, it's not. I, I I wouldn't think he would talk about him like glowingly, you know. So I mean, it, it's I keep those separate, <laughs> those things separate when I, you know, talk about that. But um, so yeah, I have a little bit of bias against Golden State because I feel LeBron's like your favorite some- player ever. No, Dirk is. LeBron's Dirk second. Is. Yeah, LeBron's second. LeBron's second. Oh, sunshine. Um, yeah, so I feel like y'all took some chips off him, but so I have, <laughs> I have yeah. a little bias. Yeah, you did. Now. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, so I, but after, like, when y'all went eight and nine and one, I 
I, I I know some people were saying, well, just wait. They had a soft schedule. I was like, no, they're the real deal. Like, if you watch them, you know, <laughs> you just knew, like, okay, they're back. So I, I had to take that L very early. I took that L very early. I, I appreciate like, you for welcoming, <laughs> for, for recognizing that so early and just no, yeah, it accepting was defeat. Because there's still yeah, people. Some guy told me the other day, um, postseason's a whole different story. <laughs> Oh, okay, because they've never gone to the postseason and won anything yeah. before. Like, yeah, no, you can take the L. They're back. They're back. Um, um, but so at the beginning of the season, people are saying, "Oh, the Golden State's gonna like blow us out, blow us out, all that." And at first, I was like, "Oh no, you know, Luca's not gonna let that happen because he he plays very well against Golden State. He shoots like a splash brother when he plays, y'all. I think he likes the you know the dual kind of um." element you know he's a big game kind of player so he likes you know national tv you know dirks you know retirement jersey you know game expect a big game from him um even in his like state when you think he's not you know conditioned like i mean golden state my big big concern with them granted i made a tweet saying that if like the mass played you know this before porzingis went out um i said if they play their two big lineup with porzingis and powell in the front court that you you know get blown out like it'd be the worst loss in franchise history I was like exaggerating but I thought it was going to be a really bad loss not because of our defense people assumed I was talking about our defense but I was worried about our offense like Golden State is a extremely extremely good defensive team like they're great (laughs) like a great defensive team I'm worried about how we're gonna score I can't lie like I'm a bit worried granted I I just know Luca's gonna have a big game but I like like what I've watched over the past two seasons, I like the job that Wiggins has done on him. And I think um, in this particular, for this particular matchup, granted, it hasn't really mattered in the past because he's had, you know, big games, but for this particular matchup and how he's kind of looked this year, I'm, I'm just, I'm slight, I would say I'm slightly worried, but not worried enough where I don't think he's gonna, you know, produce. I think he's definitely gonna produce, but the other guys, Oh man, <laughs> I just I just don't know how we're gonna score, especially if if Kerr you know starts you know mixing up the defenses because that's one thing about Luca. If you give him the same look, he's gonna adjust. So and I know Kerr's a you know excellent defensive coach, so he's not going to give Luca the same look the entire game. So I'm just worried about the schemes that they're gonna use. I think it's gonna be incredibly hard for us to score. And Golden State they don't really have much weaknesses like. We don't have, with Porzingis out, you know, he's been better in the post this year, but we don't have him. We have no post presence. Not to say that Golden State Ray gets killed. Man handles Porzingis, although. Exactly. <laughs> although, I, say, I mean, matchup, it's, it's arguable that, like, Loon might be on him more, but but Dre really has, like, a thing with um, Porzingis. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a bad, I think Golden State is a horrible matchup for um, Porzingis. And just the way how we defend, like, we're pretty good this season at like defending we're 10th um right now in defense I was gonna I mean, ask the where best. are you guys in offense and defense so offense we're 17th we are which is why I'm worried but you about... were missing <laughs> Luca for a long part yeah we time. were yeah but even with him like yesterday we like granted Denver is good at defense too but like we like barely cracked 100 you know okay see we didn't even score 100 against OKC so it's, in the beginning of the sh- season when he was there and you guys had players, I know it was like a short time, but were the games as low scoring then too? Yes, yes. <laughs> they okay. were. We have not been, I don't think we've touched top 10 
this season for offense. And it's just Jason Kidd's offense. Like, we're not going to be high scoring. Just the way how – the way the team is built and how he wants to play, like, it's – we're just not going to be, like, a great offensive team. But the defense, I will give him credit for that. He has turned so it around. So they're a top-ten defense. Yeah, we're a top-ten defense. Um, okay. But – and the thing is, like, just looking at this matchup for Golden State, there's just not much to exploit. Like, they could rebound well. I was thinking, oh, maybe, you know, we could – Maybe get them on the glass, even though we're not, like, a great rebounding team. But maybe, no, they can rebound well. The only thing that's a weakness is, like, they turn the ball over a lot. And um, if we can try to get out in transition, you know, get some easy buckets, that would be great. But that's really it. So I don't expect us to win. If we do, that would be great. But, you know, especially for Dirk um, on his night. But I don't expect us to win. I just – when I watch the team, especially against good teams, like, even with Denver yesterday, like, we won the game. We blew them out, like, towards the end. But watching, like, the beginning of the game, I didn't feel like – we're not that caliber, (laughs) you know, team. We're not, not, like, a great team. So – and Golden State is a great team. So I don't expect – if they stay focused because, you know, they can come out and not know what they're doing, (laughs) you know, on their end. But if they stay focused, they they should – win the game pretty easily in my opinion okay okay so you don't feel like they have much to exploit so it sounds like you're like expecting it not to be a good night for Dallas but will be a good night because of Dirk's retirement and Jersey rather retiring his Jersey and Luca's probably just gonna have a good game because he's due and it's a big night um yeah you know I I have a feeling it's going to be a good game I could be wrong I've actually underestimated my team a lot this year not underestimated in terms of like I I said that I thought we were going to be a top three seed um I thought there was definitely a good chance that they could be number one but I'm not gonna lie I hedged a little so I said like top three um but my hedging wasn't about my lack of belief in them. It was about adjustment, like 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 any adjusting that may need to happen during the season, whether it's adjusting to getting Clay back or adjusting to like new players on the team, like Otto and and others who may need to like get, you know, certain things down. So it was less about me thinking they'd have the ability and more about just um the natural things that happen with any team usually when they're trying to work in new players and things like that. Um, And also like I was accounting for things like COVID and, you know, whatever. So obviously those things can still impact us in the second half of the season. So we're not through yet, but um, I definitely thought they were going to be really good this year. I didn't estimate over 60 wins though. I, I had them, well, everything I did, I did is like a minimum versus like a maximum. So I, I said, like, they're at least going to do, like, a minimum 55 wins. And people were just like, oh, Natalie. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. You know, so um, the, what what they're doing right now isn't shocking to me. Obviously, I'm a Warriors fan, and I follow the team day in and day out, right? And so I understood things that, like, Dre wasn't done, even though people – wanted to believe that and I understand some reasons why they didn't based on like the last couple of years but like people got to understand Dre's a little different from like Steph and Clay because he came into a situation where he started going to the postseason right away 
right? Like, even though they weren't winning championships in his first year, he came into a different situation, right? So being on the team for a season without Clay and without staff, like, he'd never been in that situation where the team was just, like, losing. And so he mentally checked out. And honestly, there was no reason to, like, work him and run him because they weren't going anywhere that season, right? And so, but I think people looked at that and they're like, yeah, Dre has lost it, you know? And then I don't know what this thing is about, like, out of mind, out of sight, but somehow people decided that because Steph wasn't playing, that meant that he wasn't good anymore. And that I didn't understand. So, you know, and then there was this whole Kevin Durant left. Okay, but we won 67 and 73 games without Kevin Durant and won the finals. Like, Kevin Durant is not the reason the Warriors were good, right? But agendas will agenda. And so... Um, I knew all of those things. Um, and, um, I just, I don't know. People could say it's blind faith. I thought it was based off of basketball reasons. Like when Steph, Dre and Clay are healthy, they have never lost the series. They, you know, um, so I believe a lot in that core, and I knew we were definitely going to get Clay back this year. Obviously not getting him back last year was devastating, but there were other things going on with our team. So like the Warriors stayed above 500 for most of the season. When they dipped below, it was when Steph got hurt with his tailbone and was out. So he missed some games, but he kept them above 500 the whole season. That was with the team trying to soft tank. That was with tinkering with like James Wiseman in the lineup. You know, they were they were doing a lot of things and they were playing around with a lot of things. So Kurt inf- infamously said, we're not chasing wins. And so all of that was happening and yet the team was still at 500. So once it was locked up that they would most likely now get to because they were trying to keep their own pick and they were trying to preserve the Minnesota pick right so that's why they were playing a little fast and loose last year um that's why they they didn't fill roster spots they like cut you know Wanamaker and then didn't add anyone to the team so when they finally were like okay we have to start winning (laughs) right Steph came back and they closed the season, I want to say it was winning 20 of the last 25 games. So when you did the math, the mathematics, they were on a 60 game win pace to close the season, right? So, and in any other year, if there's no play-in, they're, they're a playoff team, right? So they made the eighth spot. Like you mentioned, all those teams between like five, six, and it was four, five, and six, or five, six, and four, five, and it six. Was, yeah. There was like kind of like a three-way tie between them or like one yeah, it was, game. It was five, six, and seven. Yeah, five, six, and seven. Yeah, it, it was like silliness. So I'm just like, and Golden State wasn't that far behind those teams. So I was just like, in my, in my mind, I said Golden State was really – really because in the games that Steph played if you just isolate them to the games that he played they won um at a 56 percent like 56 percent of their games which would have been like a five seed in the in the west so to me I was like this team was really like a five seed anyway so 
when you take that into account and couple that with the fact that they went on a 60 game win pace to win the season when they were actually trying to win and they're now bringing in players that are upgrades over oh I don't know Kent Bazemore and Michael Mulder it all made sense to me while the team would be good now I don't expect someone who's not a Warriors fan to like pay attention to all those little details but I I definitely feel like there was a lot of wishful thinking going on for this team that they just wouldn't be good again. So I delight in that. I love everyone's crying and tears and misery and I gloat and I'm obnoxious and yeah, I'll continue to be that. But um, it didn't surprise me where they were this year. So when I say I underestimate them, I just mean like I've said a lot of games are going to be close and then they weren't close, you know, but um, I do think on a night like that in Dallas with the building, like buzzing energy, I feel like it's almost inevitable that it won't be one of those kinds of games. You know what I mean? Um, So we'll see, but I think it's going to be a good game, you know, Um, or I'm hoping for a good game. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, for a one too. Yeah. Okay. So um listen, obviously I've loved part one of our conversation. We focused on the Mavs because I just wanted to know more about them because I talk about them a lot. Um, not a lot. I talk <laughs> about them sometimes though, and I don't talk about Luca that nicely. And so I wanted to clear the air because I'm sure you know you'll retweet the show or let people know you were on the pod and they might be like you went on that that luca haters <laughs> you know podcast and so i at least wanted the chance to explain my position whether people um agree with it or not but i also wanted to understand more about the mavericks to see if i've been like unfair to them and to better understand what's happening um and then like I said just to kind of get your thoughts on like what that matchup was going to be and you told me so thank you for that but the Warriors are also going to be playing the Cavs soon as well and I I'm fascinated by the fact that you um kind of have a thing for the Cavs so I want to like talk to you about them and um you know keep going a little bit more um talking a little bit more so hopefully you don't mind thank you for staying with me I'm gonna wrap up this episode though so thank you so much SJ thank you for all your knowledge thank you for your objectivity um you're probably more objective than me so um by the way I don't think fans have to be objective this idea that we're not I'm like I'm not the media bro I'm a fan (laughs) so I appreciate you for that I appreciate you for being Jamaican I don't appreciate that you're a LeBron fan, but <laughs> you have time. You're still young. Hopefully your mother will um, talk some sense into you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but no, we're going to wrap, but we're going to come back and talk a little bit more. So um, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. As y'all can see, SJ is really, really dope. Um, we're going to get into some calves next, but Thank you for listening. Make sure you are following on that podcast. It's available on like basically any streaming platform or you can subscribe and watch on YouTube if you prefer to do that. Please um, um, check out uh, 21 Going On 77, which is SJ's podcast. It's I know it's available on Apple Pods because that's where I follow it. But um, what other platforms are you available on? 
Yes, so it's on Spotify as well as the Anchor app, um, if you have that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and most people listen to podcasts on on Spotify or Apple anyway, people. So listen, follow the show, check it out, give her a chance, rate these shows. It matters to us. And Spotify now offers you the ability to rate shows. So do it, but only do it if it's five stars. It's not safe that (laughs) that rating, okay? And um, um, (laughs) support us as content creators. We need it. But until next time, everyone, take care.